Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. How many people love Christmas? Come on. I would challenge all of you that you don't love Christmas like my wife loves Christmas. She is the Christmas queen. Even just the way she wraps packages, I'm like, praise the Lord. You spent way too much time on that package. Well, I mean, we, we have three Christmas trees in our house. How many do you have? Not three, not three. And they're probably gonna stay up year round. That's the, that's the argument we're having right now, is how long do they stay up? But I grew up in retail, so honestly, I have like post-traumatic stress syndrome around Christmas. There's a lot of things about Christmas I don't like because I worked in a mall for way too long. The first is the mall. <laughs> I hate Christmas because I hate the mall. I don't hate Christmas, you know what I'm saying. We're starting off strong. They're like, I came to 11, I heard from this pastor, he says he hates Christmas. I left right after that. Well, the doors are locked, so you can't. I don't like the mall. I don't like the mall's parking lots. I don't like the smell of the mall. To me, the Cinnabon smell should be illegal. That is so gross. That is so gross. And whatever that sauce is you're supposed to be dipping into, no. I went on a rant about Subway at Bressy. I don't know why, but Cinnabon and Bressy, Cinnabon and Subway are the two grossest smells in the world. Yeah, I, if you get on an airplane and sit behind me with Subway, we are going to fight. I, that's the only time I'm going to wear a mask on a plane is if you have Subway next to me, because that is just disgusting. I also don't like Hallmark movies. Who likes Hallmark movies? All my Emerge men. If I have to watch another mid-30s, like, you know, what is she? She's always like an advertising agent. And now she's got to go back home to her podunk town for some reason to do a story. And she meets her high school sweetheart who's been divorced seven times. And somehow they're going to get on a sleigh. No, that's not life. Yeah. So I do have a message somewhere packaged in these thoughts. This is why I get asked to preach like once a year. Because the, the trauma afterwards, the cleanup is a lot. No, but listen, I'm, one of the things that, I, that I've learned in this church is how to properly see Christmas. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because my version of Christmas, what I grew up around was basically the mall and you know, driving past some Christmas lights and seeing like a manger set up, you know, watching the Grinch a little bit. Maybe my ex made me watch too many Hallmark movies. Um, praise God for Rachel. She still makes me watch Hallmark movies, but she's a lot better than my exes were. Um, you know, so it was like this weird like blanket of theology. I take like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of Santa Claus and a little bit of baby Jesus. And I, I throw it together and be like, that's what I believe in. And it was like broken, terrible theology. 
So the title of my message is Bad Santa. Yeah. Bad, I mean, I like Santa. You'll get where I'm going with this. The, the whole idea, and I'm not even going to tell you if you should tell your kids if Santa Claus is real. You can work that out at home. I'm not going to give you advice on that. I'm not going to tell you don't go visit Santa. Um, I just, you know, I've, there's a lot of thinking around Santa that I think if we're not careful of is how we start to see God. So my first point is God is not Santa Claus. You knew that, I think. <laughs> I'm assuming you came here not to learn that. But what I want to ask you is, do you act like it? Do we act like it? I think Santa Claus is here. Oh my gosh. You're like the real Santa Claus. Is that a real beard? My gosh. I'm sorry. I'm changing the title of my message. We're going to have an altar call and Santa's going to respond. <laughs> wow. This got awkward. I mean, but how many people, you know the song, right? He's making a list. Are we going to sing it? Can we do this? Okay. He's making a list, checking it twice. Come on. Santa Claus. He's here. Come on. He, super creepy. He knows, yep. He knows if you've been so all right, we can end it there. This is why you're also not on the worship team. Well, there's, there's a line in there that to me caused a ton of problems in my life, and it is be good. Be good. That, that is my, my whole life outside of church, and even when I early got here in church, was trying to figure out how to be good, how to be good enough, how to stay on a good list how to basically mentally keep score and go, okay, well, as long as I'm like doing more good than bad, I'm, I'm probably staying on the list. Now, we have a sticker chart for our kids. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah, shout out to parents. <laughs> Reward-based incentive programs are like a, a quasi-decent parenting technique. I will get to see if it works out, but it is a, it is a, it's a terrible theology for how God sees you. You know, like that somehow Pastor Michaela's got like 47 gold stars and I've got three. It's like just blow, she blows up sticker charts for God. But if we're not careful, we can start to act that way. We can start to think that way. We can start to go, well, this is like God's incentive program. Like, like if I can do this, if I do good, then I'll get good. If I can perform for God, if I can put on a performance for him, then he'll give me something. Even the idea that somehow he's checking the list twice, like they're, 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 he's gonna go, hold on, hold on. Mike Finn's on the good list. We gotta check this twice. This, is, this cannot be right. But we, we can see God in this way. Like he's got his arms crossed. He's looking at you when you came in here and he's like, hold on, hold on. Yeah, naughty list, nice list, naughty list, nice. But it's, but, but we can be that way. And we've had friends that have come to church and they're like, you know, I, that place is going to burn up if I walk in there. And they're like, dude, you do not know God. But because they have this, this naughty and nice list perspective of God. 
They have this idea that somehow they have to do right, get right, get clean, get good before they come here. And it couldn't be anything further from that. The good news of God is that you don't have to do that to come to him. You know, what, what I found is that the good enough, the good list, it actually creates two lists. It creates a list of me versus you, because then I'll start to measure myself against like, well, I mean, I'm better. I'm doing better than him. <laughs> I mean, God, if anyone's on the naughty list, it's him. And it creates a list of things God owes you. Okay, God, well, well I, I've been doing good for like three months, and heck, I even serve on the high team. Uh, where are my presents? Did you not see how much I gave in that hour and a half? It, 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 it positions us very poorly in community and very poorly to him. So the problem with that, again, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we need to like give everyone a trophy at a soccer match. Like we, we should reward excellence. We should reward good behavior. We should reward strength. But if your identity and your self-worth and your perspective of God and your worthiness comes from whether or not you did good last weekend, then we have a broken theology around God. So one of the flaws in that song is it says he's making a list. Actually, the Bible says no. Colossians 2.14 says, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. How much more beautiful is that than a naughty or nice list? He's actually saying, before you even realize it, I took everything that you did and I nailed it to a cross and now it's covered in my blood so you can't even read it. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Psalms 103, and this will wreck people who have a religious mindset. This wrecked the Pharisees. If you see anything that Jesus did, see how often he came against those who tried to look good. He said, you as the Pharisees, all you worry about is the outside. You want, the, you want to look good, but the inside is not good. And that's what good enough or good lists will force us to, is we'll try to put on our Sunday best and we'll try to measure ourselves against other people and we'll try to say, I'm so holy that I deserve it. God wants to break that. He says, he does not punish us for all our sins. This is Psalms 103. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love to those who fear him is as great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. And this is what I love. This is the goodness. This is where there is no list. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. I love that imagery. I love the imagery that you can't get closer to your past. The enemy's gonna yell at you when you get in here. You're on the naughty list. You don't even deserve to be in here. But what the Bible says is, is that every step I take towards the West, you realize I will never reach East. If I keep heading towards God, I will never reach my past. If I keep walking towards Jesus in his grace, I will never see my past sin. There is no list to him. It is as far as the East is from the West. Now there is a heaven and a hell, but what I wanna clarify is that God did not design hell for you. He sent his son for you so we did not have to experience the, the cost of our, of our life, of our shame, of our sin, of our distance from him. 
So again, you probably came here and said, yeah, Mike, I know that God is not Santa Claus. But I wanna ask you, how do we act like it though? And these are just questions just to help you locate yourself. They're not, they're not judgment. They're not, there's nothing in this other than the only way you can heal is if you identify where the pain is. So as a kid who believed in Santa Claus, maybe as, as they were a child, but now don't, are you like that now with God? Were like your early days when you were a teenager or maybe you grew up and, and you got saved in church, were you more on fire for him then than you are now? Are you questioning yourself more? Is God real? Like if he was real, why? It's okay to have doubt, but just locate, do you believe in him like you once did? Do you feel close to him? And are you excited to get near him? I mean, one of the things that I don't want my kids to be is more excited to go see Santa than they are to come to church. And again, are you coming to church going like, yeah, you know, we could probably miss the first 20 minutes of worship. You know, we could, we could probably skip a couple weekends. We could do some stuff at home. I don't really need church to be close to God. Well, it's a great place to do it. And to be honest, when, when I find myself withdrawn from wanting to come here, it's because I haven't dealt with something in my heart. And so just question, how close do you feel to him? I mean, there are believers who only come to church once or twice a year, Christmas and Easter. But that's not, God doesn't want a Santa Claus relationship with you. He doesn't want you to come once a year and go, hey God, um, I have all these things I'd like you to give me. See you next year. That's a terrible way to view God. I would even ask you, what does your list look like? When, when you pray to God, what are you asking for? I had to keep asking myself, checking myself of, like when I pray, am I only praying for materialistic things that come to my life? Or am I praying for my city? Am I praying for peace over our country? Am I praying for healing in other people's relationships? Am I praying for all of these empty seats to be full? Am I, am I praying for the things that God wants me to be praying for? Or is this basically like this transactional faith? Like, hey, you know what? Um, actually, I, I started it all on Amazon. If you could just prime that to me, uh, that'd be awesome. What does our list look like? You know, Jesus teaches us how to break this mentality. He teaches us to pray by starting off by saying, our Father. He changes the whole paradigm of how we approach him. Because I do not want my kid to come talk to me like Santa Claus. Hey, uh, dad, uh, I've been really good for a little while. Meanwhile, he like pushes my daughter off a couch and like stole all her stuff. He's like, I've been, I've been really, really good. And um, here's what I would like from you, dad. I, I, I put a heart on it. And uh, it's in crayon, so I think you're gonna love it. You know, I, I want him to talk to me like his dad, like his father. I want him to approach me with everything, not in hiding, not in fear, not in shame, not in performance, not putting on a show, not having a mask on. I want him to say, dad, I, that hurt, broke my heart when that happened, dad. Or dad, I'm, I'm so excited, I'm belie- it doesn't make any sense, but when I grow up, I wanna, I wanna do this. Do you think that's possible? I want him to talk to me like a son would to a father. I want my daughter to do the same thing. And what you'll realize is that if you change your perception that way, what breaks that is you stop trying to be good 
and you start trying to be close. The change from being good to being close is where your relationship heals with God. Because now it's not a motivation of fear or reward. It's saying, I wanna be close to you. I wanna be more like Christ. Well, the only way I can do that is to get closer to him. And so your personal time, your prayer time, your worship time, even your time here will change if you change that mentality of drawing close to the Father. Amen? Well, that's point number one. Point number two, don't become the Grinch. I love the Grinch. Well, I like the new Grinch. The older Grinch is just a little creepy. Jim Carrey and that whole thing, I... I don't know. It's probably just because I watched the cartoon Grinch like a thousand times with my kids. But anyone remember what was wrong with the Grinch? His heart. Yeah. What happened to his heart? Yeah. From what though? A girl. A girl broke his heart. No, but, but it's his heart. And so my, my second point here is to talk about, first was like, how do you view God? The second is how do you view hurt? And how do you handle hurt? What I learned from the Grinch was that we cannot make hurt our home. You cannot make your hurt become your home. What you see Grinch did is Grinch used to be in community. He was part of Whoville. He actually was born in that group. But over time, Grinch actually isolates himself, pulls himself into a cave and removes because of the hurt that he has. And hurt will do that to you undealt with. And what's interesting though about hurt is it won't only just remove you from community, it actually elevates you to look down on the people that hurt you. Literally, the Grinch is high up in a cave looking down on the community that hurt him. And he'll come out and he'll go, I cannot believe they're singing. And I cannot believe they're doing that. And hurt will do that to you. You'll isolate yourself, but you'll also start to judge the people that hurt you. That's a a telltale sign of a heart hurt is removal and judgment. One of the other things that's interesting that speaks to me is that he also became very comfortable with the trash and the stench in the cave. And for me, what that looked like was drugs, alcohol, porn, pretty much anything that makes me felt better from being alone. But the subtle thing with not dealing with a broken heart is that you start to get comfortable with that place. And I could literally justify porn back in the day. I could say, no, no, it's, it actually, it's for, it serves a purpose. Sounds crazy, but you will start to think the things that are trash in your life, you'll become comfortable with and you actually justify and say, no, no, that's actually good for me. But that's not how God wants you to heal from your hurt. The, the last thing that's really cruel about hurt that you see the Grinch does is he gets his joy. Obviously, he steals everyone's presence, right? And you would think that it was him having the presence that gave him joy, but it's not. He didn't want the presence. He wanted everyone else not happy. And that's what hurt will do. It will actually get you to feel better if everyone else is hurting. Not, not because you got what they had, but because they were hurting. And that's a wicked, that's, a, that's a, a very dangerous place for your heart to be in. And to be honest, I was in this place a couple times. We were trying to have children 
and we had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And what I realized is that I started to want to hear about people not getting pregnant more than people getting pregnant. And it hurt me more to hear the miracle babies. And I actually did not want those stories. I wanted to stay in the pain. It's the, it's the crab in the bucket concept, right? Like, no, 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 you don't get out of here. Stay down here. Misery loves company. And if you're not careful protecting your heart, you'll start to go, hold on. I'll feel better if I know you're hurting like I'm hurting. But that is not what God wants for you. And that's not what the house of God is meant to bring in your life. So you're probably saying like, okay, Mike, I'm not the Grinch. Like I don't snap at little kids. I'm not wearing a green suit. I get it. But like the last point, I'll ask you, where do you act like it? And can we locate ourselves to understand, are we hurt? Is our heart hurt? The first question is, when's the last time you felt like not being around people? Again, you don't, you don't have to be the life of the party. I'm not saying like fake it till you make it and come to everything all of the time. But if you're, if you're careful to, res- to, to realize like, hold on, I was supposed to go to that thing and I don't want to, like, is that from a healthy place? Is that, or is that from a hurt place? When was the last time you gossiped about somebody? Again, this, is, this will be a sign of you trying to bring somebody down to your pain level. And it's easy for us to do in church. It's easy for us to do on Instagram. It's easy for us to go, hold on, hold on. You think they're all that? Hold on. Let me bring them down a notch. But as for the church, we're meant to cheerlead. We're meant to lift up. We're meant to be celebrating. Even in the middle of what we're hurting in, we're meant to go, thank God they got that promotion. Thank God that miracle baby came. Thank God they got healed and restored. Thank God that their family's back together again. Those are the things we should be celebrating. This is a fun one. When's the last time someone's joy annoyed you? Yeah, be honest. Instagram is the worst for this, for me. Because I'm just like, I cannot believe they're on vacation again. That is so annoying. (laughs) You know, it's like, I can't believe they celebrated their birthday. Like, give me a break. They should be happy. It's his birthday. Why am I mad about that? It's so ridiculous. But what I've realized is it's a sign of a hurt heart. Because I can't be happy when someone else is happy. That's not what we're meant to be like. Internally, it will tear you apart and tear apart your relationships if we can't deal with hurt. The last thing I'll ask you is when was the last time you avoided the thing you know you actually wanted? This for me was because my mom died when I was young and my best friend died a couple years after that, I had made up this idea that I was always gonna be rejected. Deep down, what I really wanted was good friendship and I wanted community. But because of this broken heart, even here in church, even faking it and pretending in church, I would just remove myself from the thing I actually wanted. And instead of asking for it or inviting it or being a part of it, I would just go, ah, well, I think they're, they're probably better friends and he's been here longer and, or, or, you know, he didn't invite me to that thing. So it probably means he doesn't like me. And, And further and further and further, I'd start to bring myself into a cave, even though deeply I wanted to be down with them. And it's one of the interesting things about rejection 
and about brokenness is you actually, you don't get attacked by it, you become it. I actually was the spirit of rejection. I was rejecting all the things that I wanted. I, I wasn't under the attack of rejection. I had actually, because I hadn't dealt with my heart, became rejection. And so that's one of the things, again, that God wants to heal in your heart. Amen? So don't stay in the cave. Don't stay in the cave. Again, the Bible talks a lot about the heart. In Psalms 423, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And the last scripture is Proverbs 28, 14 says, blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Man, that was, that was my life, constantly falling into trouble. And a lot of you may know us a little bit from what we get to serve and be a part of here, but not all of you know our story. And I don't have time to go into all of it, but what I can say is when I came here, I had a broken heart and a broken life. I was a mess. All of my friends had left me. My girlfriend at the time had left me. I had amounted hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to women. I was a train wreck when I came in here. And I was so disgusted with myself that I felt like I didn't even deserve to walk into this place. And I, I had almost no hope for the future. I had no hope that I was like this, you kind of squandered everything God had given you, Mike. And because of the mistakes and because of the trail of mess and hurt that you've done to other people, this is pretty much what you're gonna be stuck with the rest of your life. And that's how I had viewed God until I came into this church. And I, I was like, well, I'm probably not gonna get married. I'm probably not gonna have kids. I'm gonna struggle with finances. It's gonna be hard and, and sad and broken life. Because I, in my hurt, I had given up hope. And I want to play a video for you to just show you that God is a God that heals. So if, team, if you could play this video real quick. So you can make it 
That actually has nothing to do with my message. We're just launching a fragrance company next year. No, I'm kidding. And, and I, don't, I don't play that video to like promote our marriage, but the goodness of God. See, I had been unfaithful to my wife and almost ruined our marriage. And in that moment, there was an opportunity, a, a time for us where we could have said, you know what, that's too much hurt. Let's go to the cave. Let's let that dream die. We tried and tried and tried to have babies. And we had opportunity after, term, after opportunity to say, you know what, we can just give up on that too. Let's go to the cave. Let's let that thing die there too. We had lost a lot of friends and had broken relationships and we could have given up on that. But that video is us fully healed, our marriage fully healed with our miracle children, with an incredible community of friends, having, having just been promoted in my work and having a healed heart and a healed marriage and a healed family and a healed life because that's how good God is. A house of transformation, a house of salvation, a house of healing. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. That's the goodness of God. He is a healer. And everywhere he goes, everything that he is comes with him. So much better than Santa Claus. So much better than Santa Claus. What I wanna say, if you are hurting, that this is the best place to be. The Bible talks about bringing it to God first. It says above everything, be anxious in nothing, but in every situation, pray. When you have hurt, bring it to him but I've also found that you cannot heal without community. You need to walk out that healing in community. The Grinch did not walk out his healing alone. He walked it out in community. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 18, it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 147, three says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That is the good news. So to close this point, what I would say is make hope your home. Do not let hurt become your home. Make hope your home. Amen? Amen. All right, point number three. Point number three, I think this one might trigger some people, but we're gonna talk about Jesus. And if you didn't grow up in church, you probably were like me and all you really saw, I'm trying to get to my notes, See if I can find it. But you probably saw, oh, here we go. Nope. Did I lose a page? It's all right. We don't need it. You probably saw a picture of baby Jesus. And for me, not having any revelation around who Jesus was, what that made me see was a small, weak, insufficient version of God. Because I'm like, how could a baby have anything to offer me right now? And what I also saw was that a lot of people who didn't have the full revelation of Jesus also had weak, insufficient, awkward relationships with God, which wasn't attractive to me. And so what ended up happening is that I saw God small. And what I found is that the smaller I saw God, it means I related to him in a small way. So point number three 
is baby Jesus grew up and got a tattoo. There's an asterisk there because if you, it's based on a scripture in Revelation and it says, anyways, we don't have to get into it. You can Google it. It says that written on him, it says the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now I'm not meant to hear to say you can or cannot get a tattoo. And I'm not gonna argue whether or not it literally said on his thigh in a tattoo, King of Kings or Lord of Lords. But what I'm here to challenge you in is how big is your version of Jesus? If you have a small revelation of Jesus, then you will do small things and you will only ever go to him in small ways. So again, whether or not he has that too is irrelevant, but what I wanna ask you is do you act like he's small? Here's how you'll know. Again, these are just ways to locate yourself. How easy is it for you to serve? If you think Jesus is small, then it will be hard for you to serve him. If you think that he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the heaven and earth, it will be very easy for me to show up and say, not only will I give you my whole life, but whatever you want from me, I will do for you. Because if you see him small, then you're starting to say, God, you know, all the things I do, I'm doing some big things. And if you just could realize what I, the hustle I have on Monday through Saturday, you'd realize that I just need to rest on Sunday. Instead of saying, no God, Sunday to Sunday, everything that I do, all of my life is meant to serve you and glorify you. So an hour on a Sunday is nothing because I've actually given you my whole life because you gave me your life. I would say the same thing with tithing. How hard is it for you to tithe? And again, I'm not asking you anything I didn't struggle and wrestle with myself in the 12 years that I've been here. But I realized that the, the degree of size I see him is the degree of what I'm willing to exchange to him. So small Jesus was small giving for me. And the bigger I saw him, the easier it was for me to go 10% is easy because you've actually given me everything. All that I have, my work, my house, my income, my provision, my protection, everything that I've read about from you is actually who you are. So it's easy to give to a God who is big, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The last thing I would ask you is how much of the authority that he's given you are you operating in? And if I was just being candid, it's not always easy for me to get on stage and speak. But I know that God says, I've given you keys. I've given you power. I've given you gifts. I've given you a calling. I've given you a, a purpose in life. So operate in it. But for me, I just said small Jesus, which meant I will only do small things. Once I started to elevate the size and the potential and the wonder of God, it started to get me to see that with him, anything is possible. Who can be against me if he's for me? So I stopped operating in fear and in small things. And I got courage because where my courage was anchored to was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, so I could walk into a business meeting or I could walk on stage, even when there were whispers ago, you don't have anything that that room needs. And I said, well, if I have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I have everything. I have all that I need and more than enough.
Philippians 2, 9. And this is, this is where you got to see the power of the name of Jesus. It says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, this is how big he is. God exalted him to the highest place. That's how big he is. The highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So how big is he? Above every name. How big is he? Above everything. How big is he? Above any single circumstance that you could ever run into in your life. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. What I've realized is that he had to come as a baby, but that's not how the story ends. He was the lamb of God, but he returns as the lion of Judah. And when you have the full revelation of the bigness of God, one that could come as an infant to save us, but one that returns as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it will change your perspective about everything you see and do in your life. Because if he's with you and he's for you, then anything is possible. So the last thing I wanna do before we close and then I'll invite Pastor Alex up is one of the things I feel called to do is try to break religion and Christianity and the Christianese stuff that we get stuck in. And one of the things that I didn't understand was this word salvation. And in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and respond to God. It's that simple. We call it an altar call, but if you're just gonna say it simply, all you are doing is responding. And what is salvation? It, the root word of salvation is solve, S-A-L-V-E. When you solve something, when you put a solve on something, you bring healing. And like I said, when I started this, he's here to heal. And I'm gonna ask you, if you need any healing from God, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. But the thing that he wants to do more than anything is heal your relationship with him. That's what salvation is, is you saying, Jesus, I receive the healing that you came to bring for me. Heal my heart, heal my mind, heal my life by submitting and saying, I surrender, God. I, I do not want to make my hurt my home. I wanna to come to the place where healing exists in the name that's above all names. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask everyone if you could just bow your eyes, bow your eyes. I don't know what that means. Just whatever that means to you, do that. But you could also close them and bow your head. And I'm gonna ask on the count of three for you to just simply raise your hand if you want God to heal your heart and heal your relationship with him. One, two, three. All around this room, I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I just wanna lead us in a prayer. Can we all stand? Come on, 39 people saying, you know what? The name that I wanna to respond to, the name that I'm gonna look for, where my help comes from, is the name of Jesus. It's something to celebrate. So say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, 
I thank you, you're not Santa Claus. God, I receive what you've given me through your son, healing, hope, forgiveness. And God, I will give you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.